Catfish Weekly is brought to you by Whisker Wear Apparel. Get your catfish on www.whiskerwearapparel.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Stokes, Chris Wallace, and Chuck Davidson. Hello, everybody. Well, let me get this off of the screen share now. All right. Yeah, loves it, I guess. Oops, wrong button. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Catfish Weekly, episode 60. 60. Wow. Over a year. Can you believe hey, it? Uh, you know, uh, before we get started, you know, 60 is, is a big number for us, you know, starting out like we did at Paul and and all of us uh, making this happen, and uh, thank you guys for sticking it out. I know I'm not the easiest to get along with all the time, but it's really been fun so far. <laughs> you bully, Lyle. You're uh, it is, that happens when you get old. What, what can I say? <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> so, yes, we're on episode 60. Today, we're talking about bait. We're talking bait, bait, more bait, all kinds of stuff to do with bait. Um, one of the, I'm gonna start it off here a little bit. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about bait today is because of the time of year and the things that are going on right now. It can make it an excellent time to get shad at your local lakes and rivers. Primarily, lakes is your is your big uh, kill. When when the ice starts to come off of your lakes. Um, you you know you start you got you got to be out there and you got to be on top of it. Last year I missed it by just a couple days. Um, I've got a video of my local lake, which my local lake is Prairie Creek, and Prairie Creek had almost three tons of dead shad that they they basically got rid of from the lake last year. And you know only being like two or three days late on it when I found them the shad just were too far decomposed to use and to keep. But what happens is, guys, you know, as soon as this ice comes off your lakes, these the shad just start dying. I don't know if, it, if it's a quick temperature change in the water that does it. It's something to do with the ice and the oxygen. I'm not sure exactly what it is that, that has the, the, the shad die. Um, and, there, and today when I went out, I, I'm right on the right on the beginning of it. So I know within the next one to two days probably the big kill is going to happen because I'm starting to see the little ones and some of the bigger ones pop up. I caught about eight or ten today, and one of them is almost 15, 16 inches. I got pictures I showed Lyle and, and Chuck. I mean, it's a monster. It's a monster shed. You know, I'll probably put some pictures up of it on Facebook and stuff. I'm going to hold that thing up. It is just, it's a huge shed. But uh, yeah, right now is the time you guys need. If you got a local lake and and yeah, I mean you got to freeze it and and you know frozen shad and stuff isn't the greatest, but it's bait, you know. And so there's times where um, frozen bait outperforms fresh bait. It happens, you know. It's different times of the year and stuff for whatever reason, you know. Even frozen skipjack or whatever will outfish fresh skipjack. 
Um, but yeah, you want to get out there, you know, go to your lake, look and see if, if you're starting to see like where the bridges are, the ice is coming off and right around the shore, the ice is coming off and it's opening up. Uh, you just park, you get out, you walk the, the edge, you get, you get, look right along the edge of the, the, the lake there and you'll see the fish starting to die and, and float up. And, and what I like to tell people with my personal opinion is you look for the eyes on the shad. Uh, when you're looking at them eyes on that shad, um, if they're to the point where you can't even see an eyeball anymore, it's too far decomposed. Um, if it's got a real light film on it um, or no film at all hardly and you, it's got a real clear eye, that's a perfect shad to use and, and freeze. You know, grab that thing. I, I bring a net and a cooler and or a five-gallon bucket or something, you know, like a landing net so I can reach out and, and pull them up and, I don't really got to touch them with my hands and stuff, and oh. yeah, I know. <laughs> get my get, even though my hands are like disgusting anyway on on a normal basis, and and they're clean. <laughs> you know. But you don't want to get your manicure sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you go out there and, and and you just pick them up right off of the, you know, right off the bank, and and. Take them home, put them in some bags, and freeze them. You know, and have some have some of that bait. You know, and for a couple reasons. I mean, you're helping out with your local lake for not having a smelly, you know, bunch of dead fish floating around the lake. I mean, I, there are turtles and raccoons and things like that. They're going to eat them, but most of the time, there's going to be so many dead shad that your local lake officials and things are probably going to be cleaning it out. Like I said last year, Prairie Creek actually had to, to you know, manually remove. I think it was three tons is what they told me they removed last year. It was a huge fish shad kill. Um, but there's all kinds of bait. I, I just wanted this week to talk about this because right now is the time where, you know, we had a 70-degree day today, and people are starting to see, especially in my area here in Indiana. Um, brine, now, John Nordyke is saying something about brining uh, will salvage some of those dead shad. Now, is he talking just, Soaking them in salt water. Is that oh, getting, oh. getting some of that uh some of that gunk off their eyes or something? Is that what he's saying? Or if they're a little bit gone? Serves them. Yeah. Yeah. That uh. Yeah. You you put that uh salt on some uh, real. You know. You get ice and just barely get it slushy, and uh, put all that salt in there, and it, it drops that water temperature down way below freezing without it actually the water freezing and it, it'll uh, freeze those shad um, to where they won't decompose anymore before you get home and get them in the freezer. Well, he's, uh, uh, Ray says the thermocline that kills the shad. The thermocline happens in the winter and that and when the ice comes off, something about what's going on with the thermocline. I mean, if you can educate me, I, I, I'd appreciate it. I don't know what exactly it is that is... When the ice comes off is when the, the shad kill on the lakes happens for whatever reason. It's it where could, the warm water and the cold water come together down deep in, in, in the lake or, or some rivers don't have thermal clines to speak of. But uh, it's where the, the water temperatures are two different ones and, and, and the one of them is warmer than the other and it separates. Uh, and you'll notice fish will either be below it or above it most all the time. Yeah, you'll hear talk about the, uh, the lake is turning over. Mm -hmm. um, and what's happening is the uh, the temperatures are uh, you know either swap 
Um, and, and sometimes lakes that uh, the, the current's controlled by, um, you know, the power companies, um, they can cause massive shad kills too, by the way. If, if they don't cut the waters on, on and off correctly, uh, it can build up a back pressure on the uh, leading dam, um, which can, can push the, uh, the water that's down below up on top and, and actually turn the river over and cause uh, fish kills that way also. That is correct. He said, "Don't you don't want to use you want to use curing salt, not iodine, because of uh, I guess uh, the taste. The fish will taste it or something. Salt yeah. toughens them. And they don't like the iodine salt. Yeah, it's got it's got uh, impurities in it, chemicals and shit." Stuff. So, um, that John's just a wealth of information, isn't he? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been salting down my uh, bait fish too. Also, before I freeze them, um, I did a lot of reading on that, and it does make them very tough. Um, after the, after they thaw out, um, you know, most of the time they'll start feeling really uh, soft, um, and, and you may have to put the hook in them twice. Because you don't feel comfortable about, uh, you know, the bait ripping in that spot. And after I've been um, doing a good salt rub on them, um, th th they're a lot tougher um, after they thaw out. Also, yeah. Um, so going on, I guess some, you know, we can talk about all the different kinds of bait and everything. But um, yeah, like I was saying before about the. The local lakes, you know, get out there, check your lakes, see if they're if they're floating up, catch them. I do, you know, there's a few different, you know, different states have different laws. I can let you know. I talked to um, the DNR at the Indie Boat Support and Travel Show a little bit about our laws, and you cannot take a shad that is still alive in any way with a landing net in Indiana. I don't know why. I find it kind of ridiculous because <laughs> I can catch them with a landing net alive if I want to you know as long as I'm killing them afterwards I don't know what it matters but it's illegal to actually pull a live fish from the water or live shad from the water to keep with a landing net don't ask me why that's you know but it's against the law to do that it's also um, ridiculous so <laughs> If I catch one, if I see one that's barely floating around and alive, and I'm out there with my landing net pulling them up, out of all laws that I probably, I say, you know, we don't recommend anybody break any laws, but I would probably break that law because that just seems ridiculous to me. But so you're going to break the law. I'm going to break the law. Okay, just check. Count on. You count on it, Indian, Indian <laughs> DNR. You see me? You know I'm breaking the law. <laughs> Oh, no. Now I'm going to be harassed for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No bad about it. <laughs> but no, that's, the, you know, get out there, um, get them shad, you know, freeze them. You can even just take the guts out of them. There's also a lot of people that will take them shad, get as many of them dead shad as they can. And for this purpose, I guess it does not matter how decomposed the shad is. You can take the shad, as many shad as you can get in the water, <laughs> and get them in a bucket 
and I don't know if you put water in it or what, but you can you can sort of let those shad fully decompose and then extract the oil from the bucket and use that oil as a, as a scent attractant. <laughs> John says you could just pee on those dying shad and kill them thermal thermal shock. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? my buddy John right there, boys. Yeah, uh, I, I actually within the next couple uh, months, you, really the next month here in Alabama is really a, a a critical time to get other baits besides skipjack. If you want to use uh, red horse suckers, anything like that, they're a lot easier to get uh, during the upcoming spawns and when they're coming up uh, on their migrations toward the dams and all. And, uh, you know, these guys that, uh, you know, they want to go fish these spring bites and just catfish, catfish, and catfish, um, you know, you, you got to get out there and get bait, too. If you don't spend at least half of your fishing time getting bait, um, you know, you're, you're not really going to do that good. Um, you know, my, most catfishermen spend at least half of their fishing time gathering baits. So, um, you know, you got to get out there and get that bait. You know, it, I, I'm going to get my freezer full. You know, I may see all these people posting nice fish on the, uh, you know, on the social sites and saying, hey, I'm catching this. It's a great day of fishing. Um, you know, but later on when they're knocking on my door saying, hey, can I get some bait fish from you? I'm not going to feel sorry for them one bit because um, it, it's a lot of hard work getting out and gathering that bait, you know, and you just you just got to get out there and do it and sacrifice those days of not catfishing, you know, so you can get those really good fish later on. Well, and and two, if you have a spot where you can get um, fresh, good fresh bait the day of or the night before uh, you go out, I, I honestly think that you, for the majority of the time, you're going to be better off. But, um, you know, Freezing bait, other than skipjack, I, I really, honest to God, boys, I can't tell no difference in frozen skipjack and fresh. I've used it side by side, uh, time after time, and I can't tell any difference in the bite, but shad is sure enough different, uh, and, and just basically any other kind of bait, uh, has to, the fresher it is, the better it is, but, and I'm not saying skipjack on occasion wouldn't be better, but I've caught just as many off the of stuff that was froze nearly a year as I had stuff that come out of the water the day before a tournament. Uh, and I know there's going to be people that dispute that, but it's just, you know, we've kept track kind of, and, and I can't tell much difference. But uh, preparation of this bait, if you're planning on preserving it or keeping it, uh, preparation of it uh, is a major part of it. And... Um, Doc Lang is one of the, the prime guys at doing it, and, and he'll tell you that you need to cool it out, thoroughly cool it out, uh, make sure it's it's thoroughly cold, uh, vacuum seal it, and, and he does some other trick stuff to it. He's told me about it. If you get on his site, uh, Doc has a, a lot of information on there that will help you with not only preserving fish but a lot of other things too. But... Um, uh, you need to, to make sure you take the most best care of, of your bait that you can while you're preserving them bad boys and 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 they'll, they'll it'll serve you well the only other thing that I know of that's not real particular uh, is Asian carp doesn't seem to matter about it either you know you can just keep it and it'll work and 
and, and of everything that I've ever used, Asian carp is the toughest bait to get off of a hook. Uh, you can catch fish on it three or four times. They just absolutely the skin on that stuff like. Uh oh. Wow, froze up. He might be popping out of here. He's gonna come back to life. Nope, there he goes. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I love getting fresh bait um, as much as possible, but I I really waste more bait than I do use it. But I've always got it with me if I need it. Then if I have to, um, you know, divert to using that bait, I've got it. But just like this weekend, um, you know, I. I tried to salvage a few. I'll probably use uh, use them to play with and stuff. But you know, every every frozen bait I brought with me for a tournament this weekend, I ended up bringing back home because I got lucky enough to get uh, fresh bait. So um, you know, you, you hear guys running around saying, "I I don't have bait. I can't get bait." Go ahead and get some frozen bait ahead of time. You've got it in case. Um, you know, then when you go out fun fishing and stuff. Um, and, and you're pushing for time, you really don't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to gather bait. You've got that frozen bait ready. And one of the, go ahead, Lyle. One of the things that, that I can say about the difference in bait, uh, frozen bait and, and uh, uh, fresh bait is the fresh bait will, will bleed more and, uh, than the other. I, I really believe that. I, I think that that is, is part of the reason why people want them. I, I've done everything in the world to bait, try to preserve it, and, and make it the best I can because a few years ago, we, we run into a time, the Asian carp just about run all the shad out of the country in my area. We have to drive hour, hour and a half uh, about any time we want shad. So uh, that's why we stock our freezers up with skipjack and stuff so we have enough bait to last through the summer. But... Um, Three, four, five years ago, we, we run out of bait, didn't have any, couldn't get any, nobody had any skipjack around, and I mean, we was bumming. Every time we went to a tournament, we never had any. Uh, Last-minute thing, all every, all every place we went was last-minute deal trying to find shad, and sometimes we just didn't go because we couldn't get bait. And I said that would never happen again, and we keep a lot of bait on hand now. But... Uh, we always try to get fresh bait for a tournament or, or when we go out, but there's just times when it's not available to you, and, and that's where you have to have the frozen stuff, and uh, that's why it's so important to make sure that you got it. But uh, if you guys live in an area where there is a great shad kill uh, and you can get it to where it's not uh, you know, falling apart already, then it would probably be all right to get that. But, you know, we got a tournament coming up this weekend, and uh, we're, we're going to try to get some uh, stuff Thursday or Friday, something like that, and, and keep it over. But uh, if I happen to run into some that morning on the way to my first fishing spot, I'm going to pull over and throw a net try to try to get grab a little uh, then too because uh, I, I really think that uh, it would be good to have, you know, this time of year, fish are really biting right now. So the fresher you got, the better off you're going to be. And yeah. Uh one of the things that I've noticed, I've been, for five years, I've been tournament fishing now, and one of the things that I've noticed is that, and a lot of people know this now, is some years, for whatever reason, bait is t harder to find than others. So there might be a year where shad's super easy to get all year long, and the next year, it might be damn near impossible to get it all year long. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. We, uh, like I say, there we have so many Asian carp in our area. Uh, in the last three or four years, I'm gonna guess, uh, other than than the the stuff the size of your little finger that's basically too little to use, I probably haven't been able to net over 25 or 30. Uh, hand-sized shad in the last four or five years because of the Asian carp. They they eat the same stuff as the shad, and where shad traditionally has been, you cannot find them. And once in a while, you'll find a little group of them, and you better get them while you're there because you throw the net twice and they're gone. And uh, creeks and and the marine inlets that we used for years and years to get all the bait we wanted, uh, there's nothing in there but big heads and and stuff and it's really really tough to to get shad in this area now you go away from here and you can get it uh, I've got some friends of mine live over Springfield Illinois Jason Rath Bill Parfit uh, them guys have got it going on over there I mean they get all kinds of bait year-round unless the waters froze and uh, some friends of mine that go down to, to some of the lakes down in southern Missouri do all right but uh, you know, right here on the on the rivers that we have, it uh, it's just really hard to come by. And it didn't used to be, but you know, I, hopefully it'll come back sometime. But uh, like I say, these these clowns that brought them big heads into this country, for whatever ignorant reason, they brought them in. And when that uh, Katrina hit and they got out, um, if the government wants to step in and do something, they should penalize them people by not letting them make a dime the rest of their life. And spend the rest of their life trying to eradicate them damn things because they are not only dangerous, they have ruined some really good fisheries. Um, Scott Woody asks, he says, uh, Fudd or any of the other guys, do you use any bait traps or the clover traps or the minnow baskets to get your bait from creeks or ponds? The answer to that from me is yes, I do. I have a minnow bucket and I have one creek within a mile of me that that goes all over the place and I have about six different holes on it where I will uh, go and I'll with a rod and reel catch my creek chubs and bullheads and uh, even some some crawl or some uh, crawdads and stuff like that but I do have a I have a bucket that I'll throw or a, a bait basket that I'll throw out there and and uh, every once in a while I'll bring some home and I've got I've got a live well or a bait well bait tank set up at home. It used to be a freezer. Now it's a um, a truck box on like some plat some wood platforms. Uh, that's going to be removed and everything. And I have the two new great big um, bait tanks that I got that I've put pictures on my Facebook page. I, I believe one's the 320 gallon square uh, thing, and then I have a round one that's like a 200 gallon or 250 gallon round one. Um, so I'll be able to keep hopefully shad, creek chubs, and bluegills all alive uh, and ready to go for tournament days at my house. But what about you guys, Chuck, Lyle? Do you guys use bait traps at all or go out for any no. creek chubs or anything? No, I just use Leanne tell her I need bait when I get home. <laughs> and uh, she sits out there and catches bluegill all day. And uh, I get home and I got plenty. Uh, what I was going to bring up earlier about the frozen bait, um, what I've been doing lately is, if I'm going, if I know for sure I'm going to fish on Saturday, I'll, I'll bring a bag of ice home with me from work on Thursday night, and I'll take those, uh, I'll take that live, the uh, frozen bait out of the freezer, and I'll layer it in ice, and I'll let it thaw out in ice. 
um, it'll get soft. It will. Um, it won't be hard anymore, but it's still right at or right above 32 degrees. And when you cut it, it almost bleeds just like it's fresh. So you're not throwing a, a big clunk of fish ice out in the lake, and, and um, you know, and, and no blood's even dropping out of it yet. Um, it, it really helps out a lot with the, uh, you know, for it getting back, especially when you rub it down with salt and you use the brine method uh, when you're catching those skipjack, and you throw those skipjack alive straight in 26-degree uh, slushy water, and, and you're freezing those skipjack to death. They're actually, um, you know, they're, they're it's just stopping their, you know, their heart. They're just freezing alive. There's no decay. You rub them down with salt when you get home. If you want to scale them, I even scaled uh, 50 or 60 right before the Monsters of Ohio, uh, getting them one at a time out of the brine, and I don't even think they got above 32 degrees from the time I took them out of the brine by the time I wrapped them and got them in the freezer. That was scaling them also. One so of the, the uh, Go ahead if you got more on that. No, no, that's all, that's all I got. One of the questions earlier was uh, somebody said something about can you, is it okay to use the cast net on the shad at the lakes? Yeah, it's okay to use cast net to catch cast uh, catch shad in a cast net um, in Indiana anyway. Uh, as long as there's about four or five places in Indiana where they're legal to be kept alive and used alive, uh, but most places in Indiana you have to immediately put your cast netted shad on ice. That's that's one of the reasons why I was saying it, it seems a little ridiculous that you can cast net shad and kill them, but you're you're not allowed to pull that shad out of the water with a landing net. It's it's still a net. It's just a different kind of net. I guess the the way the Indiana DNR sees it is somewhat different. They they I don't understand. I mean, I guess you know there's got to be a reason for it somewhere or the other. Talking probably with some sort of sport fish. They don't want people grabbing. Uh, carp and or not carp, but bass and uh, other types of fish, bluegill and stuff. I guess out of the water with landing nets and because I, I do know that it is, for those it is also it is illegal to catch them with a cast net and keep them. Any sport fish you cannot catch with a cast net and keep. Um, you can in Indiana, however, catch bass, uh, walleye, uh, crappie, anything that's a sport fish and use it as bait. Keep it alive, use it as bait. As long as it was legally caught on a uh, rod and reel, and it's above your your whatever your uh, minimum size limit is, and under you have under your slot limit, you are allowed to use the uh, sport fish as bait in Indiana. I would love to have that in Missouri because I'm telling you, them green carp make pretty good bait. I think. And, and but uh, Jason Kittner was saying in most of the country. Uh, they have American Shad and Hickory Shad, and both are called a rod and reel. Um, if you don't mind, or somebody that knows a little bit about this, I've never caught, well, I can't say I've never done it. I've caught Shad on rod and reel, but they were Threadfin or Gizzard Shad, um, and that's at Cumberland City when I'm skipjack fishing, and, and I've done it many times. I've caught them in the mouth. For whatever reason, it seems like they are actually biting at the uh, the jigs and stuff. And I've caught plenty of them, foul hooking them too. But um, how, what what exactly do you use to catch shad? These these American shad and hickory shad, 
are you using uh, ultralights with bee moths or worms or do you do guys what? know? Do what now? Uh, Jason Kittner says uh, in most of the country that they have American Shad and Hickory Shad and both are caught on rod and reel. Right. So what, how do you catch these shad on rod and reel is my question. Those those American shad will bite uh, artificial baits and probably wax worms and stuff like that. They, they they don't necessarily just feed on plankton and stuff. The American shad and they're bigger. Have people actually eat those things? Tidal waters. Jason Ernest, said. It's Ernest Berry said they they soak their cut bait overnight in herring juice. That's got to be a good idea right there. That's got to be some good smelling stuff. Where do you get herring juice at? <laughs> well, you have to catch them skippies and squeeze it out of them. Yeah. Herring juice, herring oil. Yeah. Where do you get herring oil at, Chuck? Uh, you don't believe I don't me? I, I've used uh, manhaden oil. I've never had. I've never used herring oil. But you know, you can get you can get them small bottles of uh, enhancements. <laughs> That uh, say that on it, but I've never tried any of that stuff. But I've I've actually got the uh, large gallon jugs of the Menhaden oil and Menhaden milk that are used by saltwater fishermen to chum the commercial fishermen to bring the bait fish in to to bring in the fish that they're targeting. And uh, I've tried that stuff before. Uh, Ernest says you you grind up the herring in the wife's blender. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> you might get away with that, Ernest, but I'm pretty sure it ain't going to happen around here. <laughs> you know, I, I got a message from Facebook a while ago from one of our, our viewers and um, so seemed to think that you're squinting. Maybe you're part Chinese or something. Is that the case? Tell Heath to shut up. <laughs> Them boys are on you, ain't you? First he said it looked like I had to poop, so I gave him my poop face so he knows what it looks like when I got to poop. <laughs> and then he said, stop squitting. I ain't squitting, I'm half Chinese. Dude. Also, uh, what, what do y'all think about uh, cutting all of the fins off of your bait fish? Um, do, you, do you believe what they say about if a, if a catfish hits a bait and he feels that, that that chunk of bait has the fins turned around the wrong way to where he can't swallow it, that he will actually spit that bait out to get it from a different direction so he won't swallow that uh, bait backwards? And do you believe by cutting the fins off help with a better hookup rate? I don't yes. believe that because no. I don't think they'll get it backwards. You know, uh, they've been catching and eating bait their whole lives. I don't yeah. think they'll take it head first every time. But now the only thing that I cut – uh, fins off of is bullhead, and I don't do that for the fish's benefit. I do that to keep the little suckers from horning me. Uh, I do it for my own personal belief, but uh, them things they'll hurt you. you know. No, I, I'm, just talking, I'm talking about uh, cut bait, like when you're cutting a skipjack uh, up, and you've got yeah. the uh, the center section. You'll leave the fin on that, or will you cut oh, it? Absolutely, yeah. I don't worry about that though. <laughs> Well, actually, since I, I, I carry uh, some small shears, uh, like pruning shears, and I've been cutting 
um, the, the fins off of them uh, when I have those sections, and I've actually seemed to uh, have better commitments that way. I really? do believe if, if they get that fin in their mouth and they feel that fin is in there backwards, um, they're so used to eating bait fish and they feel that fin trying to go down their throat the wrong way, how are they going to swallow a, a chunk of bait with a fin going down the wrong way? They're going to have to either try to turn it around in their mouth yep. or they're either going to have to expel it and, and, and hit it from another direction. Well, that, that may be some truth to that. Have you noticed a better ratio, a hookup ratio? Yeah, it seems like it's helping me a lot. Um, you know, I, I was talking to um, a, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and um, you know, I, I show you in the picture of my bait, and uh, he said you need to cut those fins off. He said uh, they're gonna spit them out if they get them in their mouth wrong, and uh, you know, I asked him why, and he says, well, you know, they 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 only can swallow head first, um, so that they're either going to have to spit them out and, and go back and get them out a different direction, or they're either going to have to hold them in their mouth, try to turn them in their mouth. Um, so if they if they feel a piece of chunk bait and they feel that fin going down the wrong way, uh, they're not going to be able to swallow it. It's going to get hung in their throat. So. I have I have a pair of scissors in my boat. They're not regular scissors. They're they're not even like kitchen scissors or something, but they're almost like a hybrid between tin snares and scissors. But they're not tin tin snips, whatever. Tin snips and scissors. And I I just bought a pair of tin snips today too, so (laughs) tin snares, whatever. Leave me alone. I'm half Chinese. Dang it. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I don't know your American words. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been using the little uh, prune, handheld pruning shears like you uh, yeah. will trim uh, hedges with, um, you know, and also you can use those if cutting apart and stuff, you know, and you use the knife and you get down to the bone and, and you can, then you can take those shears and just cut the bone right in half. Justin uh, Connor made a good point, though. What's the difference in, in the fish feeling the fins or an eight-aught hook? There's only one point on an eight-aught hook. There's about 60 on the door. <laughs> well, that, I don't use eights. I use tens, and if they get that, it's, it's all over but to crying then. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. that, that fin, uh, you know, it's, it's, laying, it's laying down flat when you rub it one way. You take your hand and you go rub it the other way. It's going to stand straight up, and it's going to prick you. Which way do you rub it? Both ways. <laughs> What are you talking about? But uh, yeah, so if, if they try, if they try to, uh, if that, if that bait, bait tries to go, if they try to um, swallow that bait, it's gonna, it's gonna stand those fins up, and it's not gonna let it go down their throat. So they, they'll have to expel it. There's no way they're gonna be able to swallow a bait with the fins turned the wrong way. Yeah, that for for what you're saying, I, I, like I said, I told, I, I think that it. I do it because, like I said, I have those in my boat. I don't do it all the time. I, I I normally will do it, I guess, if I if the bait is a little bit larger, if I've got a larger bluegill or something. And if it's a small bluegill, I probably don't mess with it. Um, you know, and, and like I've mentioned a few times, this this last year when I was down at Derby and catching that ginormous bluegill and having a, a 12-pound flathead eat it, that really opened your eyes on on how big a fish these 
flatheads and stuff like that will will be able to eat and eat easily. Because like I said, that that giant bluegill, the twelve pounder, he he inhaled it. I mean, there wasn't a tail sticking out of his mouth. Uh, there was nothing left of him. And I just would have swore that it would have needed a twenty pound plus fish to eat that bluegill. Yes, but they always eat them head first. Yeah. You'll never oh. see. You'll never see the head when you pull a fish in. You'll never see the head of the bait sticking out of the mouth and the tail going down the throat. So they know how to. They're like a snake. They know how to orient their food so they can swallow it correctly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and this weekend I've done something I've never done before. I, I smoke cigarettes. I need to quit, but I, I used rubber gloves every time I handled my bait because I did a lot of reading on the uh, the nicotine. They use it in an insect repellent as a repellent, not as a killer. Um, so it's it's a it's a it, it deaders. Uh, nothing's going to want to eat anything with nicotine on it. I used rubber gloves this weekend. Anytime I handled my bait, uh, the the thin uh, latex gloves. Um, I don't know if it helped or not, but um, you know, I know by me sticking my hand down in the lake and and uh, rinsing my hands off with the lake water is not going to get the nicotine off of my hands. Um, you know, filling the boat up on the way to the lake, uh, you're not going to be able to put uh, gas into a, a you know a, a six or a nine gallon boat tank without getting it all the way up to your elbow. It, it never fails. You're going to get it all over you. Um, you know, and, and that fuel and that nicotine, um, any other things that you may handle that, um, you know, that can uh, keep them from wanting to, um, you know, take that bait, you know, by using rubber gloves, you can totally get rid of that whole, that whole scenario there. Yeah. The the nitrile gloves or whatever you want to call them, the rubber gloves, um, they're 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 nice to have for a few reasons. I mean, if especially if you're out channel catfishing and you're dealing with dip bait or stink bait or chicken livers or shad guts, um, Jason Malone. If you guys aren't friends with him and you guys might want to, you know, you think you might want to order, you probably have to order a case or something from him. But if you thought you wanted to order some, I know he can get them for you. He 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 sells all that kind of stuff. But he gave me a package of black. They're black rubber gloves or nitrile gloves or whatever you want to call them and I mean they're they're excellent to have on a boat you know to you could be able to just the black or whatever keep your hand especially in warmer you know or colder weather keep your hands warmer as well um, you know and then you also mess with your bait all day and then you just pull your gloves off and you don't have the crap on your hands all you know that you normally do um, that's wubble, wubble gloves <laughs> Level gloves, everybody. <laughs> Rob, you better quit messing with me, punk. <laughs> but um, I was gonna say the uh, stit, Ray Stitcher. Uh, what's that? Oh, uh, nothing. Ray Stitcher was saying something about you can get gallons of that uh, of that uh, herring oil up around where he's at. So I was going to ask you, Ray, what, what's your what's your take on it? Have you tried soaking any cut bait or any bait in that type of oils or anything like that? Is that a one of your secrets to catching all them big fish? Yeah. 
No, he didn't give me those for my Cumberland trip. <laughs> uh, what, what, what they're starting to do now, Chris, is they're um, they're uh, they're they're refining this oil somehow and and making it into a milk instead of an oil, which is supposed to have the same additives and everything in it. And the milk is supposed to stay down inside the water column and, and mix into the water column at the level that you put it in. And the oils, if, if you was to, if it was to stay on your bait long enough to make it to the bottom, as it releases off the bait, it's going to head straight back to the top, uh, and it's not going to leave a, a proper scent trail, um, you know, that's in the line with your bait. So, um, I talked to a guy out of North Carolina who is actually uh, making menhaden oil and menhaden milk, and uh, it's becoming a really big hit of uh, the menhaden milk because people are able to release it at the depths that they're fishing and uh, and and chum chum that part of the water column instead of the the oil just floating on the surface down the river all right the uh moving on a little bit he's by the way he's race editor said no he catches all uh fresh bait within an hour old that's that's sort of along the lane li same lines as what casey tutoro said when he's on there fresh bait uh you know i i guess i can just go out on a limb and say this to everybody you know i, I might be uh Full of crap, but I don't think so. Fresh bait is, you know, tournament fishing is is your if if you can do it, that's the way you need to go. Unfortunately, not everybody lives close enough to to areas where they can get fresh bait, you know, or it just doesn't always work out where they can get it. And and frozen bait is something that is nice to have, especially skipjack, uh, you know, or, or fish any sort of bait that is is the harder uh, for you to get around you. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if he can, if Stitcher can go out and get fresh skipjack anytime he wants, or he can go out and get fresh shad anytime he wants. But if, if you can go out and get both of those anytime you ever need it, then I think you're a lucky person because I know quite a few people who can't get them in, in certain times of the summer and things where, where bait starts to get hard to find. And uh, having some of that stuff fresh is, is or not fresh, but at least uh, frozen well, fro you know, frozen quick and, and, and frozen the right way to where it's, when it's thawed out, it's the best kind of frozen bait you could have. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, a lot of guys just have to do. It's part of fishing. If you can go out and you can get fresh bait an hour or a day beforehand, every, every, before every tournament, you know, that's, that's what you should do if you can do it. If you can't, you know, get, get your bait, freeze it, do what you got to do to to have the best bait quality that you can. Um, if, if you're able to transport live bait to the to the uh, the the lake that you're fishing, uh, you can always catch bait ahead of time and keep it alive. Put it in your uh, bait tank. Have live bait that you can use for cut bait later if you want to. Uh, but but you will already have that bait available live or cut, and it's going to be very fresh. And you can go out, get you a hundred gallon stock tank, put you a hundred and twenty volt pump in it, and you know just keep all the fish you want to alive enough for a few trips. And every time you get a chance, go bait fishing, keep them fish alive. It's hard to keep shad alive, but the stuff like bluegill, uh, chubs, red horse suckers. 
and stuff like that, you can keep them alive. They can be fresh in your bait tank when you arrive. Um, and you've got your choice right there. You've got fresh cut bait or live bait. Um, if you don't have time to try to catch any other bait at the time, you're ready to go. And Mr. Nordyke says, you know, brings up another issue. When does using those additives uh, become chumming? We're you know, they're talking about the, the fish oils and all the different uh, Manhattan oil and, and shad oil and all that kind of stuff. When does that become chumming? And it's banned in most tournaments. And, and a couple of responses were, it's... Uh, when you put it there before you fish, and if you're, it's chumming if it contains no hook. And I would agree that if you're putting out any scent or food that doesn't, um, that is basically primarily to attract fish, and it does not have a hook on it or, or a piece of bait that you're with a hook on it, then you're chumming. I mean, yeah, they, they say uh, what I've read. Most of them say known chum holes. So you're knowingly an area has been chummed, and you go fish that area is what they mean. Um, you know, if, if you if you hang a, a pantyhose off the back of your boat uh, with squished up skipjack in it to to help release scent down the water column, um, there's nothing wrong with that because it's not there previously. Yeah, well, that's, and that's the next question. He says, Lyle Fudd, what? What is chumming as far as a tournament? Is it only you can't put something out a day before? Or does it mean you can't chum that you know while fishing? What do you think, Chuck or uh, Lyle? Uh, you know, I think that that most chumming will be done either uh, sometime in advance. But I know uh, after watching a lot of Salt River shows uh, where they chum for bait, they chum right before they put their bait in the water. You know, within minutes. And, uh, you know, we don't allow chumming in any of our tournaments. And if you are caught fishing a baited hole where you've put stuff out days before or the day before or the day of, or if you're throwing out stuff, that's chumming, and that's a disqualification. Well, what's the, what would you say the, I mean, should there not be a rule against known locations on on rivers such as uh, right next to a river bar or something where you know they're throwing their food and things like that? It's basically a giant chum hole. Yeah. Yeah, first off, you got to be able to prove it, which is going to be in itself going to be a deal. But, you know, a lot of these issues that, like that are judgment calls, and you got to be able to take into consideration the person that's, uh, makes the decision, and whatever his decision is, that's that's how it has to be. Yeah. Do you not think that maybe if you know, like say you're having your tournament on a stretch of river where you know that there's two restaurants right on the river, would you not say that, you know, there's no fishing within 50 yards or 75 yards of such and such restaurants? Or Honestly, I haven't run into that, uh, but if I did know it, We'd have to make a provision for that, but um, uh, right now I've never, no, Joe, we've never run into that. Um, I, just, I just can't think of any place that we've had a tournament in the last nine years that has a spot like that. Uh, and, there may be, I just don't know about it. The odd thing to me is, and, and this is the thing that, the reason why I would say that in the Ohio River, that I would say that it's not necessarily something that needs to be done, is that the 
the the bars and the restaurants that are on the Ohio River that do put out their food and everything, I've fished around them. Most of the time, you're looking at 10 pounds and under. Channel cats, normally, it's the chumming type of fish that's going to be around. It's not going to be your big blues, your big flatheads. Um, it's smaller fish. So, to me, I mean, yeah, you're probably going to be able to catch some and catch your limit, but you're not catching quality fish. Not what it's going to take to win a tournament. Yeah. Now, most of the time you're going to uh, run into a lot of carp and gar at yep. locations like that, and uh, that's that's actually a good place to uh, go throw a net before you uh, if if you need some carp or some uh, bait fish before you go fishing. All right, so I'm going to ask you guys, and this is the question that I got asked probably the absolute most while at the Indie Boat Sport and Travel Show. So we'll go over this, and and this will be the. Uh, I guess every average fisherman's number one question that I got asked while there was, "What if I were to use one bait, what's my favorite bait overall for all the different types of catfishing? Mine was shad. What would you say, Chuck? Bluegill. Bluegill? Lyle? Skipjack. Skipjack. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I had to quit using every other kind of bait except one, I would choose skipjack. So, this, I mean, this is interesting for, for to me and I guess probably a lot of people out there. We had, each of us chose a different bait for our one bait that we would use for, for all around fishing for catfish. Ch channel, flatheads, and blues. Yeah, channel, flatheads, and blues, live and cut. Was what I'm thinking is uh, live and cut bluegills. What your one bait you'd want to have? Right. And 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 Lyle says skipjack, and I yep. said shad. If I went to a tournament and they said we're gonna have a uh, a triathlon or something, uh, who you got? You can only bring in one fish of each species to weigh in. You can bring in a channel cat, a blue cat, and a flathead. I w and and you could only bring one bait with you to target those three fish. I would have bluegill. I'd still go with skipjack. That see that that is a very interesting question. That, that shows there's a lot of different. Uh, <laughs> I, Rob is wanting me to beat the crap out of him, ain't he? <laughs> I'm going to post that picture of him in that thong if he don't quit. Oh. I'm going to post it. <laughs> If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm drifting channel edges on the Tennessee River and I've got, I don't know if the skipjack helped bring the catfish in, but if I'm fishing live bluegills uh, and, and I'm and I'm trolling, if I'm control drifting vertically, uh, you know, a couple cranks off the bottom and I've got bluegill and skipjack, um, most of the time they slam the bluegills. They don't nibble it. They don't. You don't see the pole move. All you see is it go up under the boat. They slam. Are you talking about live or cut? Uh, live. I don't know if it if they just hit it to be mean or if they, um, you know, if you know if they say, hey, I got you now, you little sucker, and just you know hit it. But they they don't mess around. They hit them. They hit them live bluegills and don't let up. Yeah, I'm I'm real close. I mean, if I were to you know say a percentage wise, I'm at like 
55% for my shad and then 45% going to bluegill if I, you know, I mean, that's how close I am on what, what two baits that I would be close on. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting that we all have the different baits and even some of the people in the chat, you know, some of them were saying creek chubs and, you know, there was a lot of shad and skipjack and suckers and, you know, bluegill, everybody, you know, it, it's, it is a very, uh, but I guess the good thing is that we're all in the same, you know, we got the same group of baits, you know, it's not like one person out there is like, oh man, you know, cheese dough balls are the greatest thing you know, to catch everything in the world. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of, of multiple scent trails behind the boat of uh, starting off with uh, just to see what they want. Um, Saturday morning I had I had three different scent trails around the boat. They preferred skipjack, so I stuck with it. Um, but some some days it's totally different. Um, I, I've had uh, other cut baits out. I've had uh, you know live baits down there with it, and um, it's just what they prefer at the time. But I want to give them a variety and actually see what they want, and then. I'm actually going to gradually switch to what they're preferring, and it, it usually works for me that day. Before before we move on a little bit, Ernest Berry posted a very nice post on Catfish Weekly Facebook page, uh, thanking us for what we do and that they've watched the show on uh, YouTube every week. And uh, he he's in the chat with us live tonight. You know, I. Thank you for watching the show. Thanks for getting in on the live show on the live chat. I know you're enjoying it. Um, and congratulations to uh, Troy Jackson out of Hertford, Hertford, North Carolina, and Calvin Piland or Peeland out of Virginia on your guys' win Sunday. And then Ernest Berry there out of uh, Belvedere, North Carolina. Um, you guys got first place, won one fourteen hundred dollars, I believe, and and. Uh, that's that's a heck of a job, and I really like I said, we really appreciate it when you post uh, compliments and 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 just posting anything on our Facebook page and talking about fishing and you know how you enjoy the show and all that. That's great. You know we love it. I, I wish uh, uh, everybody in the world could watch the show and and learn something and enjoy it. And you know we we're having a great time doing it. And and the chat I think is uh, something that's pretty unique with us and. Getting in the chat and talking talking with us live while we're doing the show is really cool, and we enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, so welcome, welcome uh, to all the new people that are in the chat. Welcome to Ernest. Uh, hopefully, you can get your buddies in here on the chat, show them how to do it. You know, I know a lot of people watch the uh, YouTube and they they don't realize we have a live chat or they haven't figured out how to do it yet. Um, all you need to do, guys, is go to catfishweekly.com. Up on the top, you're going to see a uh, Watch Us Live button or a link, and you can click that, and uh, that's all you got to do. It'll, it'll show us, it'll show you the video. Uh, once 8 o'clock rolls around, I think you got to refresh the page and press start, um, and then you can, and there's also a chat box. The chat box is under the video. Uh, you can talk with us. You're, you're, there's 30, 35, 40 people on, on the chat normally every Monday night. Uh, they're all, you know, everybody's cool to talk to. Everybody will help out and, and get in on conversation, and um, it's just awesome, it really is. So if, if you guys haven't got on to live chat and, and chatted with us and, and doing it live during the show, uh, it's really easy to do. Um, occasionally, there's some hiccups where you know video will freeze up on you guys or whatever. You can normally just <clears throat> refresh your page, um, 
Uh, you might, sometimes you might need to reboot your computer or something. I know there are some computers that have a low amount of uh, memory or RAM, and sometimes it requires a reboot of a computer or something. But for the most part, it's pretty easy to do and fun to do. So. Well, and, and besides that, if you're in chat, you can find out all about Ray Stitcher and Jason Kittner talking about who's got gas and this and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes that the rest <laughs> of the world don't know about. Yeah, or uh, old Rob Clawfelder there talking crap about me. <laughs> well, you know, you guys got that deal with the with the bikini top going on and and the uh, uh, the bottom thing, and uh, I just think we need to have a live show with you two modeling them things, and we'll just see who's got what. This is this is a. Uh... This is like FarmersOnly.com. It's not a. It's not really a dating site. It's a catfisher, catfisherman site. CatfishermanOnly.com. Catfishing only. There you go. Oh, man. Yeah, I was involved with another message that come through. Uh, I, did you mention about Chuck's second place finish down in, in Alabama? No, nobody cares about Chuck and his second. Well, I do, and, and congratulations, Chuck. You guys had. A heck of a day down there. You put a big number up, and and we're all very proud that you got your second place finish. And, and uh, Jason Mitchell won that tournament. Him and his son Jackson, and they are an outstanding team. And uh, you know, you're right there on them. But you know, yeah. it, Mike Mitchell and, and Jackson, they're tough down there. So you if had, you're, you were right 95 pounds, didn't you? Yeah, that was my first time to fish Wilson Lake. You know, and. Uh, you know, Mike's lucky enough to live up there and, and actually fish those waters all the time. That's that's where I would love to retire in that area. That's that's my, um, you know, that that's my Peaceville up there. I I love the Tennessee River. Um, you know, he he's actually got his captain license and he runs a guide service up there. So um, he he's probably got a GPS uh, with marks on it that looks like. The, He's probably got spots marked everywhere, every log. But he's a really good fisherman, um, you know. And I've I've watched some of his stuff and and learned a lot of stuff, you know, watching his stuff and what he did. But um, you know, it's it's a very good fishery up there. Um, it wasn't as hard to figure out as Wheeler because the the whole lake is only 13 miles long. Um, the uh, the the river portion of the right lake, if you want to call it a river portion, it's very wide right below the dam. It's uh, you know four to five foot deep. Some spots it's only three foot deep. Um, they were spilling and running 150,000 cfs while we were there. Um, if you got really close, it was very dangerous. But um, it was a lot easier to figure the catfish out. Um, you know, you didn't have big, huge flats um, uh, like over on Wheeler where, um, you know, where you had to go search through and all that. It was it was pretty easy for me to narrow them down. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I look forward to going back up and fishing Wilson again. It's um, th There's a lot of great fish in there. I got yeah, my heart. I'm really proud of you placement down there. That's a great job, buddy. It was a good yeah. job, man. Yeah, it's all about having fun, and, and, and I, I got to spend the day with a very good friend from high school, and uh, we, we caught a lot of fish. We actually got about 18 in the boat. Um, he actually almost seen me cry when I lost 
maybe a fish of a lifetime. It was a it, it, Donnie said it was huge. I didn't get to see it, and he yelled to the front of the boat. It came up back by the transducer, and he goes, "Oh my God! It makes the 58 look like a baby." And I heard a big splash, and then he hauled back butt down to the bottom, and I don't know. He got wrapped up in the line or something, and I felt the slack come out, and then there was nothing. But um, you know, after I got from feeling sick, you know, after about 30 minutes. Uh, the the rest of the day was fine, and um, you know what happened? That I, wasn't on that wasn't on a black horse rod, was it? That one? Um, I don't think it was. See, that's what happened. It wasn't a black horse rod. That's why you lost it. Well, I, you I know, can't, I can't have them all yet. You can only get. Um, I can only afford one at a time. <laughs> we, you know, we like I say, we're very. Tickled that you had such a great day down there. Fishing with an old high school friend's got to be an awesome time. But there's there's another uh, couple people that I'd like to give a shout out to. I mean, there's been a lot of good fish put in boats all through the country this last week and weekend. But our little buddy Jacob Stitcher fished with uh, Jason Kittner and his dad Ray. And they absolutely wore the fish out the last few days. And, and Jacob... Uh, sent me some pictures of what they caught Friday and of course in the tournament Saturday where they finished fifth. Congratulations guys. And then uh, I know Ray and, and uh, Jason have been out fishing today and, and uh, I can't tell you how proud we are of Jacob. He has done such an outstanding job and uh, Ray and Jason taking him out uh, and putting him on fish like that. Uh, you guys are the very best and uh, you know he, he is going to be uh, somebody to deal with when he gets to be a few years older and and uh, gets to pick his partner and go out and do what they do and he may fish with Ray and Jason the rest of his life and what better deal could be but uh, I'm so proud the way he's doing and the fish he puts and he acts the part that that we expected him to and uh, it's just amazing what that young man's accomplished this year and uh, uh, I just can't wait to see him uh, later on in the year and, and grab hold of him give him a big old hug he's just doing a great job yeah I definitely know they were fishing in my spot. Well, what about you, Chuck? Were you fishing in my spot? Who, me? Yeah, was you fishing in my spot? No. But, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, never, I've never fished on Wilson, and I recommend if you get a chance, even if, it, if it's not the day before the tournament, try to get up the weekend before the tournament, at least if you can. If it's in uh, a good driving range, uh, go, go check out the lake. Um, I was very overwhelmed, really, even though the lake was only 13 miles. That's a big lake. And um, I was very overwhelmed, um, you know. I'd, I'd been looking at Navionics and Google Earth. Um, I mean, but that's all I had to work with. Donnie had never been on the lake before, of course. But, um, you know, if you can get out and, and at least get to know the lake a little bit, um, it, it, it would help out a lot. It, I mean, if I was to... Um, if that would pre, if I would have been able to pre-fish the day before and did what I did uh, Friday, um, you know, by the time I finally located the fish and everything, um, the the 18 fish we caught were probably just within you know three hours time. We did not get but one fish in the boat up until about 11 o'clock. We finally found the fish. Um, <laughs> And it was on. If I would have been in that spot, the the you know, 
uh, went straight to that spot the first thing in the morning or that area, um, which I would have probably found the day before pre-fishing, it would it would have been a game changer, and uh, th that's going to push me into getting off my butt and um, scrounging up the money and trying to do more pre-fishing <laughs> before these tournaments because. When you come that close to winning a tournament and you know if you would have spent that little bit extra time uh, pre-fishing and, and getting to know that area a little bit more, and, and that could have made a difference, um, you know, I, it's just, it could have been a game changer. I got to start Who was it that, that you fished with again? Uh, Donnie Holder. He was a, a friend from high school. Okay. Uh, Has he done muscat fishing before or is that kind of a first time? No, I've, I've he's joined a couple of tur uh, tournaments. Um, he he brought he fished the Scottsboro tournament last year in the Alabama Catfish Trail. Um, he brought his neighbor up and uh, he fished with us up there. Um, I'm not sure if he weighed in any fish that day or not. And then uh, we had a tournament, a, a nice little good old boy tournament up on uh, Neely Henry. We had about. Uh, just seven boats show up and and throw money in the hat and we went went at it and um, he fished that one um, and we had a, a tournament down on um, Warrior River last year which is his home waters that's where he grew up at before he he m moved to our hometown when he was um, right out of junior high um, he went and fished that tournament and uh, I, I think he brought in a couple of fish there, but he's he's not very experienced at all in it. He he's very interested in it. And um, I think you're gonna um, I think you're gonna need to call an exterminator, Chuck. Well, that you've got a pretty bad ladybug problem going on behind you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she does this because she knows I hate it, <laughs> and she does it to mess with me. <laughs> and and she she's like, what people. House and the uh, little elves or whatever, the angels. Yeah, she she loves messing with me. So all right, go back. Let's go back a little bit on our bait topic. Um, you know, I want to let her. You know, we're going to talk a lot about the bait, and we've been going on an hour here. So, um, some of the main things, some of the main baits that I I myself use uh, are skipjack. Of course, you know. If you guys aren't going down and, and catching skipjack either the Ohio River or the uh, Miss, Mississippi River or down at Cumberland City or Kentucky Dam, um, there's plenty of places. There's there's plenty of uh, skipjack to catch. Um, that's a bait that I'd almost say everyone should have some in the freezer, uh, regardless. I mean, unless I said you know you're lucky enough where you know that year round you're going to be able to get them and get them fresh. Uh, if you can do that, man, you you've got it made, honestly. But <laughs> but uh, skipjack, shad, um, creek chubs, bluegills, all the different types of bluegills, you know, like red ear, sun sunfish, uh, pumpkin seeds. Uh, there's lots of different species. Make sure that you do know uh, what your um, what your limits are, what you're allowed to have uh, in possession of. Uh, live as far as all the different species because each species of bluegill, uh, I, I say bluegill normally as a general term for panfish, um, but li literally there's lots of species of panfish, so each species might be different on how many you're allowed to have uh, in your state. I know it is in Indiana. Uh, you're allowed a certain number of pumpkin seeds, certain number of green sunfish. Um, you know, like I said, there's lots of different, li lots of difference of those. Um, 
crate chubs, uh, bullheads. Um, I, I don't have a place, unfortunately, I, that I can go to and consistently get a bunch of small bullheads or even little medium-sized bullheads or little yellow bellies, whatever you want to call them. Mud, uh, I don't know what all they call them, what all the nicknames are, but... Um, what what else is there? There's uh there's moon eye. Moon eye is a as a bait that not a lot of people are uh, familiar with. Uh, moon eye, gold eye, things like that. They're they're almost a type of um, shad. They almost look like a shad, but uh, when you open their mouth, they got a secondary mouth with teeth, and they're kind of fun. I mean they're they're pretty funky looking, but you you actually fish for those on the uh, the rivers with a ultralight and a bobber about two foot under use like a split shot and a, and a little hook with a bee moth or a cricket um, something along that lines there uh, that's the what's that well, it's a bee moth wax worm oh, okay bee moths we call them bee moths where where's that you're from wherever this is <laughs> <laughs> I never heard him call that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, moon eyes. Moon eyes are, you know, a really good bait. There, uh, there's, I believe they're uh, they're underutilized, and I think more that people know about them and figure out how to catch them and, and understand how to use them and when to use them and things like that. Probably the better they're going to do, and that's myself included. Uh, they're not an easy fish to go out and catch. Um, but they are a great bait, you know. Moon eye, gold eye—they're both really good bait. Uh, I will tell you this: if you're going out and you're cast netting and you get a bunch of shad, there you got to do. You got to understand that a baby Asian carp looks almost identical to a shad. Um, there's a few things that you can, if you're really good at knowing what you're catching and stuff, you'll realize that it's not. Uh, <laughs> not Oh man, it's not a uh, it's not a shad. It's a moon eye and or not a moon eye, but an Asian carp. But I'm sure that the uh, baby moon eye and, and stuff like that look a lot like a uh, shad as well too. So, um, but for for most other baits, like I don't I don't I can't say I go to many tournaments. There are a few that I'll go to, and I'll actually have night crawlers. Uh, some some like fiber bait or doe baits and stuff like that. You know, nightcrawler turn or uh, channel cat tournaments, things like that. I'll have some of the smaller fish baits. Um, but for the most part, you know, at the very least, I can almost at any time go somewhere and catch bluegill and bring bluegill live to a tournament and have them fresh. Like I was talking, we were just talking about having that fresh bait, even if it's bluegill cut bluegill or live bluegill. Uh, that's going to be um, something that is is better than nothing or frozen bait. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not much for the. I know there's lots of weird stuff to use. Like, uh, um, I'll always go back to the Asian. <laughs> You can you could if you got like a butcher or something you know you could go to your butcher and get them to see if you can keep you a heart a you know beef heart or lung or spleen or something and and try using that and you know I've heard I've heard of people that that will use that or they'll use the chicken breast with Jello or whatever you know, strawberry Jello or red 
you know. You talking about Bill Cosby? The, no, he, well, I don't know. <laughs> he might do it. <laughs> with Jello with the uh with the uh what is the the um oh man. The date rape drug. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know either, so sorry. Tequila? No. That, yeah. No. That's that wasn't the one he was using supposedly uh, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, the um you know, the go-to bait for me, it, it depends on the waters I'm fishing. Um, you know, if I don't have skipjack, and a lot of times I run out and, you know, it's not seasoned for them and I don't want to go, you know, drive a long distance and pay, you know, $2 a piece for them sometimes. Um, you know, the, the fish that are, um, you know, that live in that lake... <laughs> Or that river, or the 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 ones that the catfish are used to eating. Um, you know, if you're if you're like a river holds red horse suckers and carp, um, you know, and shad, um, you're going to be able to catch fish on those. I've never had very much luck on drum. I've tried it before. I never nothing on drum ever. For, for some reason, drum when they call it a, a real trash fish, it is a trash fish. I mean, even a catfish won't even eat it. That's, that's right. I, mean, I I I had a drum and it's the only thing I had. I caught it in the throw net and I said, "Okay, let's go fishing." And I cut it up in small little pieces and we never got a bite and everybody around us was catching the crap out of stuff and we never got a bite. So, um, you know, you can try a drum if you want to, but I've really never had luck on it myself. Um, you know, on the Coosa River where where I live, um you know, red horse sucker is the skipjack down here. Um, I'm not saying it would replace skipjack, but on, on rivers and lakes that hold skipjack and it's native to those um, waters, um, you know that that's how red horse suckers are down here. They, um, you know, they're the catfish candies on these rivers uh, that are the natural bait. I, I still I still use um, I still use skipjack on these rivers that. Uh, don't have them natural to it, <laughs> and I seem to do pretty good on it, um, you know, but I always end up going back to, to carp or, uh, you know, red horse sucker or bluegill. Um, it just seems like the, the red horse sucker is just, you know, uh, just a candy form down here. Every time you hear about a big fish story and you see pictures and you ask them, hey, you know, where that fish come off the Coosa River, what did you catch it on? Red horse sucker. So you know the large catfish really do like the the red horse sucker down here. Um, just like on the you know on the Tennessee River, um, you you hardly hear you know you see guys catching um, lots of catfish on you know cut bluegill and stuff. But mostly the largest catfish come off of skipjack. So you know that's the preferred bait for the larger. Catfish. <coughs> On the Coosa River, the uh, the red horse suckers seem to be dominant. That is that is so messed up, Slackline Catter. <laughs> you ought to see what they're sending me on Facebook about Jeez. you. <laughs> I'm not even really half Asian. <laughs> well, not a, that's not what he's telling me. Well, he doesn't know. He looks like he has to poop all the time. Yeah, uh, Joe Gordon said he uses drum for flatheads all the time. 
it may be a live bait. It may put off a uh, you know a pretty good vibration or something that would attract a flathead in you know for it to come eat. A flathead is just mean. It's gonna it's gonna kill anything. I've caught anything alive in my river. If a flathead can get it in their mouth, they're gonna eat it. I mean, I'm not so sure flatheads necessarily kill stuff to eat. I think they kill it just because it's in around them. I know yeah. they are mean. I mean, they, they will. I, I'll I'll put a bluegill on, and it it will be a, a huge bluegill. I mean, very thick or or a big uh, red-eyed bass, uh, which they call rock bass. Um, and then, you know, you're like, well. I'm gonna catch a huge one on this. I ain't gotta worry about no small fish messing with it. Boom! You got a 12-pound flathead, and he's got it stuffed in his mouth. You don't know I, how he got it in there. I cannot catch anything on them on them rock bass. Oh man, they tear them up down here. The flatheads kill them. Really? Oh man, that's that's one of my favorite flathead baits down here. You hook them, you hook them from underneath, um, right back by the tail, and uh, if you're bottom fishing, so so. Uh, they'll, they'll try to swim up and pick the weight up off the top, and they cause a ruckus, man. My my rod tip stays bouncing all night with a with a rock bass on there. Um, and, and it used I know to, they're hardy. I just don't I just don't catch much with them. Yeah, put put one out there about uh, one hour before dark to about two hours after dark and see what happens. You know, you guys are talking about keeping live bait. I actually uh, have kept live bait in my live well by changing the water in it. Now, I'm talking about bluegill, and I'm talking about some of the best bait that I ever got was down at Mossley, Ohio, from Jim and Sheila down there. Uh, Cindy had bought some uh, big old, um, we bought some suckers, and we bought some great big old goldfish, and she took pictures of them and showed them to my grandson. <laughs> lived in my live well for Till, till the water froze in it last month. I mean, from October all the way up into February, they lived in there, and it got so cold that I couldn't change the water out because, you know, it'd freeze up. And I kept a heat lamp inside that live well just to keep the water from freezing up, and them babies lived the whole time. So uh, it's not that hard to keep live bait if you'll give them a little something to eat once in a while. And well, I didn't hardly give them nothing to eat. But, you know, if you keep the water from getting hard all the way through, them babies will last forever. I mean, it's unbelievable how long them fish lived. And, and uh, you know, that just goes to show Jim and Sheila's got the best bait down there, man. I mean, if, you gotta, if you're going to buy some bait, you need to stop in there and see them guys. I mean, this, this fresh constantly. I mean, yeah. they, they're not going to run out. If, they, if, if they're out, it's coming in the door while you're standing there waiting. Yep. Yeah, I was very so. impressed. Oh yeah, they had two or three shipments of stuff while we was doing a show down there. Oh yeah, good folks, really good. Well, I think uh, we're going one on an hour thing, twenty minutes. What one other thing? Uh, Ray said a while ago that uh, they was in everybody's spot down there, and <laughs> you know, if you really think that that Jason Kittner and Ray Stitcher was in your spot the size of them boys are. Why don't you just go down there and try to throw them out? If I was down there, I would have. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, you would have. <laughs> Jump on that boat. Jump them out there. This is my spot. <laughs> Let me tell you. 
I, I'm thinking, oh, Jason's still laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> Them are some really good guys, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ray Stitcher and Jason Kittner, they are top-notch fellas, absolutely great fishermen, you know, and I'm telling you from what they've been putting on here tonight on the chat, they are having some good times together with doing all the fishing they've been doing the last few days. That's, I think a lot of people in the catfish community are good people, so. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, Chuck, if uh, you got anything to close us out with? No, I'm I'm good for this week. All right. What about yourself there, Lyle? Well, I want to tell everybody that uh, our first tournament of the year for Twisted Cat Outdoors got canceled. It was the 21st of February. We're trying to see if we can get it rescheduled, but there's so many tournaments that we're really having a hard time finding a date uh, to, to reschedule. But the upcoming tournament will be Saturday, this Saturday, at Columbia Bottoms in St. Louis. Um, if you guys haven't been seeing the numbers and the quality of fish that some of these boys have been posting down there, uh, they've been catching a lot of really quality fish. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, launches at 7 o'clock, weigh-in starts at 3. Don't be late to weigh-in, $100 entry fee. It'll be a really good time. There's going to be some outstanding fish caught down there. Some of the heavy hitters I know has been down there fishing. They're not posting any pictures, not saying anything. So that tells me that somebody is on them, and some of the other guys have been showing pictures of 50s and 60s right along, uh, but there ain't nobody showing no pictures of where they're catching them. So uh, come down and join us. It'll be a good time. Looks like it's going to be a great turnout, and, and we're going to have some fun down there. If you get a chance, come on down. Uh, I understand that Brad had a pretty good tournament up in Kansas City. I really haven't had all the specifics on that yet. Hopefully somebody can then get it to us, and we'll talk about that a little bit maybe next week or something. But uh, come on down to St. Louis and catch some of those giant fish. You, if you haven't fished the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers, fellas, you ain't fished. I mean, that is where it's at. Uh, I've been all over, and I love to go to Alabama, and I love to go to Owensboro, Kentucky, and all them places. But until you hit the big water where the big fish is at, you just, you just can't imagine what we're doing. So come see us. Slackline Catter just, you know, threw a little tidbit in there. I don't, I don't know if this works or not, but it's interesting. He throws a leafy tree branch in his bait tank. He said it adds ample oxygen and keeps stress levels down. So if that works, that's a great little tip there, uh, Slackline. Yeah. So thank you very much for that. That's, you know, all these little tips and hacks and trips. I, I want to do a, a show one of these times, basically on that. You know, like the just the hacks. You know, uh, catfishing hacks. Well, you know, we don't, we don't catch everything that gets put on chat, so the people... No. Yeah. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't catch everything, so, you know, I think we lost Lyle. I don't know if we lost him or not. But uh, I think he was done, so... Um, for myself, the Indiana Catfish Association is having their uh, Turtle Creek Reservoir Tournament this Saturday... Uh, it's 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. March, March 21st. Uh, registration begins at 5 a.m. It's $10 per boat. Uh, we're going to probably have over 100 boats. Like last year, there's 120-something. Um, between 100 and 150 boats is normally what turns out for this. 12-inch uh, minimum length, 10-fish limit, no boat launch fee, 
Uh, motors more than hit 10 horsepower will be allowed, but must run at idle speed. Uh, the Hoosier Energy adds $2,500 to our payout. Uh, I believe we pay out 25 spots. I can tell you right now that I went today and picked up three $25 Bass Pro gift cards that we're going to be handing out uh, as one of the you know just one of the many prizes that we'll be giving out. Um, so $10, you get to go out, you get to catch a lot of fish, uh, have a good time. Uh, normally, like I said, I think last year we had 50 or 60 fish in the live well. If you like to eat catfish, the the average of these fish are one to three pound channel cats. They are perfect size eating catfish, and they want you to keep keep every fish you catch. Uh, there, this this lake is way over uh, overblown with with channel cats. It has way too many. They want they want as many as they can get out of it. That's the reason why they give us the twenty five hundred dollars. Um, so pretty much any person who wants to take fish home and eat them and, and clean them and, and and have some catfish for the year. Uh, these are perfect, perfect fish to do that with. A perfect time to do it, and it's ten bucks to enter. Plus, you can win a decent amount of money, seven hundred fifty bucks, I think, first place. Uh, the prizes that they hand out are just random prizes, like the twenty-five dollar gift cards. Those are just going to be a random prize, most likely. Uh, I'm not positive, so don't quote me on it. But uh, I'll be there. Um, if you want to, if you're going to be there, you probably want to be there early to register. Um, not, don't show up at nine o'clock. They're going to be launching out. You're not going to get in. Um, they will have coffee and donuts and orange juice, I think, uh, in the morning. Uh, everybody stands around and talks and has a good time uh, in the morning and then afterwards for a little bit, and, like, we give away the prizes, and everybody heads home, and um, it's a great time. So uh, if you wanted to come out and join the ICA for that, we'd love to have you. Um, I believe you can have three people in the boat for that tournament, um, up to six poles total, and... Um, I believe that's it for that. You guys know about the advertising on the website. Uh, if you're interested in any of that, get a hold of me. I'll be more than happy to get you set up with a, an ad block there. Um, thanks to all the current sponsors of the show. Thanks to Rob Cloudfelder for being our, our title sponsor. Um, we will have another giveaway coming up next month, uh, so be be uh, waiting and on the lookout for that. Um it's a decent little giveaway I got, you know, in store for you guys. So hopefully you enjoy it and and uh, we'll have a good time. Um, besides that, I know it's getting warm. Go out and get your bait. Go out and do some fishing. I know you know water's starting to the water's kind of high in some places, so stay safe and make sure that if you're going to be out, you just don't fish my spots. Don't do it. That goes for you, Ray Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs>